Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. These are the young ones. I am your host, Jared Weiss. I am joined by Law Murray, our Clippers writer here at the Athletic. What's good, Law? What's good, Jared? What color are you walking, rocking today on the headband? We got some red on red action going on. For right now, you know, I can always switch that up because, you know, I don't need people picking up on patterns. So, you know, that's what we're on <laughs> for right now. All right. Well, what's I represent? We got Kelly Eco from Houston. Yeah. He covers the Rockets, but he's also covering a lot of other stuff in the South. So we're going to get into that in a bit. Eco, how many teams are you covering right now? Like three. Yeah, I'm covering three. Let's call it three, but three and a half. 3.75. But yeah, I mean, the, I, I will say this. The point seven five is the Rockets. If we're the young. Nobody needs to know about that. We can't be the young ones technically because Jared is like 38. And Law is like 42. Bro, I'm 33. And that's already hard enough to admit to the public. Because I'm like I'm 29, so. like emotionally speaking. Well, I'm really I like 14 old, emotionally. Man. But, but yeah. yeah, I'm going to hold on to 33 as long as I can. Damn, speaking I didn't of realize I hit 30s, 40 already. God damn. Black don't crack, man. <laughs> Kato, you just turned 30 recently, right? Yes, yes. It was a uh, very harrowing part of my life, man. It's uh. I just I didn't know that they called you to set up your will the day you turned 30. Like I wasn't expecting, you know, a little hungover that morning and just got a call from a lawyer being like, yeah, you know, and it was crazy. Like the, I had really bad service, cell reception, because I was out at the graveyard picking out my plot, you know, for, for where I'm going to get buried. And I was just like, hey, man, I can't hear you. I'm trying to set up this will. Like, can I call you back? So it's just, I don't know, a lot of stuff being thrown at you all at once. So yeah, 30, I'm basically, it's basically over for me. So the main thing I'm taking here is Cato woke up hungover in a graveyard after his 30th birthday. So that clearly the night went pretty well. Isn't what that the way it's it? supposed to go? Wait, no, you were in Houston. No, you were you were in Houston then. You you just got into. Nah, this was a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just in Houston, but uh, yeah. I do have a birthday next week, but that's also we haven't gotten to the new year yet, so I can understand. Forty two. You know. <laughs> yeah, what number is it? Is it classified? Yeah. It ain't class. I'm going to be, look, I'm 36 today. I will be 37 hey. a week from now. So congratulations, man. <laughs> when I'm 40, I'm going to look, I, I might, I might have to like go overboard and look for you. I might have to like, you know, do the whole horseshoe thing that, uh, that, the, that some of the old folks from, uh, from, yeah, the they call it the Derek white. No, that's what it is. I might need to do that. You had the reverse, reverse horseshoe going before you shave the whole thing off. <laughs> oh my God. All right, well, that's old-ass Law Murray. Tim Cato, he covers the Mavs for us. Whoever runs the Mavs, we'll have to get into that later because it's not really clear who's going to be running the Mavs a couple years from now. Uh, and Eshua Kid is our producer who he's not on right now, but I'm going to assume he's 25 years old maybe. So we got one person in our 20s here. So technically it's the young ones on the Athletic NBA show. 28. Start. 28. 28. There we go. 
There we go. We're going to start with the Memphis Grizzlies because both Eco and I have gone to do a feature on the Grizzlies this year. I don't think either of us actually went to Memphis, uh, so I didn't get the barbecue yet. But I was there at the I beginning of the season. Oh, you were in Memphis. Okay, there we go. There, so yeah. is Memphis good? I haven't been yet. No. No. There we go. So <laughs> shout out to the Grizzlies for the hospitality. So, okay. The Grizzlies, so the Grizzlies are great, but Memphis, uh, you might want to stay indoors. That's, that's, All right, listen. So when, when I went to work this Grizzly story, we were they were in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And I go do the thing, talk to people at Steven Adams. It's like, all right, like their big depth is depleted. Jaw's out for these first 25 games, but Bain has really got that all-star hype. Marcus Smart's coming in. He's going to bring that leadership. He's going to help reorganize the offensive defense. Adams and, J and Jaron are going to play well together. Jaron's coming off of Team USA. He's ready to grab more than six rebounds a game. Apparently not. And then I think the day that I got home, Steven Adams supposed to talk to him at that game. It turns out he wasn't there for the game. Some personal reason, I don't know. It turns out he was having season-ending surgery. And uh, things have just been a mess ever since that day. You caught up with them after John Morant returns, after he wins West Player of the Week. He's going crazy. He's winning games. He's doing dances that need a lot of context and clarification afterwards. So, Kelly, what was the team like when you were around them, and what have you seen from Jaw since he returned? Um, that return was, I would put it up there as probably top 10 environments ever. Like, just the electric feel in the building. You could tell that every time Jaw dribbled the ball, they were booing across the arena. It just felt like a very, like a, almost like a college-like atmosphere. But obviously on the floor, you see why they missed him so much as their best player. You know, their paint touches are up. He's able to alleviate pressure off of Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. Also able to get, you know, Biombo going with, with the drive and the, and the lobs. And just having him, his presence on the floor, his gravity, how it opens things up for everyone else. I think they're up to third this week in defense. Um, just having that pressure. And you could see why, you know, they struggle so much without him because, like you said, Prior to the season, we thought that, okay, they might actually, you know, hold water. You know, they still have Steven Adams. They'll have Smart, Derek Rose coming in, Bane taking the next step. But everything just went to, you know, shit, to be to, to be fair, you know, in his absence. But now they won four. Well, they, they won four of the last five games. You know, he he missed the last game in Denver through, with, with illness. But we'll see. I think they're my sleeper team in the West for the second half of the year just because they're able to, put these wins together and they're still within striking distance of, you know, the final playing spot in the West. So that was electric. I got these dudes tonight and I'm eager to see what they look like um, with Ja or without Ja. I mean, he, him missing the game due to illness. Uh, I think that's, I think that's tough. Um, a whole league has had a bug going around. I think every, every team has been affected by illness at some point this month. And that affects your energy. He's an energy player at, at a star level, but an energy player. So um, I think Kelly's point about the paint touch is like, that's really like roster construction in the NBA is interesting to me. Like you knew you didn't have Ja, and they had the worst point guard play in the league, just about like no one who could touch the paint, no one who could generate easy shots. Like Desmond Bain was so overtaxed this year. And I feel like, they're going to be a team to watch and everything for obvious reasons with job, but they are five losses behind the suns right now um, in the, in the West. I think the way I look at standings is however many losses you are behind someone else, I think it takes a week per loss to make up for it. And 
So five five weeks is like I want to see where this team is at. Um, let's see if they can catch like the Suns, the Rockets, the Lakers, the Pelicans. All those teams are in the 14-15 loss range, whereas the Grizzlies already have 20. There's a lot of ground to make up. That's my point. And that team, I mean, it's it's a great start, 4-0 with him. But you saw they didn't have John Denver. Every game that dude doesn't play, it's a, going to be a nightmare. Like it they're really disgusting. they're really flawed. And I don't know how their only guy who's missing at this point that I think is going to make any kind of impact is Luke Kennard. And that and and you know, I covered Luke for a while. The thing with Luke is his durability and consistency is always a question mark. So don't know when he's gonna come back, don't know when his next injury is gonna happen. It's the same with Ja. Keeping Ja on the floor is going to be critical for a team that is already, in my estimation, five weeks behind getting a playing spot. I think um, so. I'm interested to see what they what, what they look like against a Clippers team that honestly, if they're serious, they should be able to handle those dudes. They're they've played 30 games. We think, you know, in the next 52, they can go 30 and 22, 32 and 20, somewhere right around there. We think that's yeah. doable. It's not impossible. That's man. about that's about what it takes. You yeah. know, they need they need to play six or seven games over five hundred the rest of the yeah, way. At that pace, yeah. Yeah, probably, and and that's to get the last slot of the play in. <laughs> yeah. You know, without the play in, they don't. They they would be cooked. But be, just because of the hole they dug themselves because of of Jaws suspension. But I I do think there's a chance that they can sneak in. Uh, I don't know, man. Though I, I, I just think with the big man injuries, yeah, I, I, I don't trust this team in the way that you know I did in the past. So we'll see. I, I think I think the playing is possible, but but it's it's going to take something like a thirty-one in in twenty-one finish. Yeah. Well, Kato, you're familiar with teams that have two great perimeter scores and then really trash big. So what when you've seen Dallas go through like its ups and downs? How do they get out of those those valleys? I mean, the the truth is that you know John Morant and Desmond Bain are not close to Luca and Kyrie for for starters. You know, Luca specifically, um, and even then, you know, like like Memphis is not a top five offense. You know, and, and that's that's where the strength of you know a team that's guard and perimeter focused comes from uh, Memphis has been a good defense, but a lot of that has come from, you know, some of the players that are are not out there that won't be out there this season or, or, you know, you know, we're, we're still trying to see their, their level of effectiveness when they get back. So um, it, it's, you know, I, I, I like, I, I've liked the Memphis teams of the past. I, I've liked how deep they are. And I just think they're, they're less deep. Um, still a good team. And still a team that, you know, has been far more injured than just Jaws absent and Steven Adams. Uh, so I, I don't want to write them off. This is not me saying that they're, you know, it's just me trying to be realistic about the hole that they're in and, you know, what is their ceiling as a team? Because they've got to play right about at it the rest of the way. Do you think, okay, do you think right that the they business. need a... a, a... Like some kind of midseason trade in terms of like the big man depth, because there are a couple of names on the market that could theoretically come in and help. I know they they went out and signed, you know, Biombo off the street, but do you think that they still need like a, a Capella type or a Gafford type to kind of really stabilize that that front court? I think that'd help. I think I think that would help a lot. Yeah. I think that's that's a 
you know, Steven Adams is just so, you know, this, this has been a bad half court offense that, that got a lot of chances, especially and his offensive rebounding, um, you know, but I think what they need to do the rest of the year is, is really double down defensively and, yeah. you know, and, and that's what they've done in the past. Yeah. Getting a Capella type, getting somebody who, you know, can play a little two man game with, uh, with jaw. Uh, but but also you know hopefully hopefully increase the efficiency of their their half court offense a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, just a, as a bigger guy so that they're not starting Biombo. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody's making the playoffs in the year twenty twenty four with Biombo as your starting but, center. Yeah. So so yeah, I <laughs> definitely would look at that. And they got some picks. They, you know, they got they got some stuff to trade. To to that point, Tim, like the Grizzlies used to beat you with the possession game, and so they. You know, when it, when it comes to their shooting philosophy, it's heavy on we're just going to take threes. You know, they no one's allowed to take mid range shots in Taylor Jenkins' offense, so they're going to take a lot of threes. But then after that, it's get to the paint as much as possible and win the possession battle. And the only thing they're doing well in the possession battle this season is they're forcing turnovers, and that's pretty much all they can do. Like force turnovers and allow Jaron Jackson to clean up whatever he can clean up inside. Like that's, that's how they play. Ja is going to help them take better care of the basketball because he gives them someone who can take care of the ball. Again, this is a team that knowing Ja Moran was suspended was like Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose would be our point guards. Derrick and, and Marcus five Smart. Eight, and they were both 5'8", Jacob Gilliard out of the G League. So. <laughs> exactly. Like that, that was their solution. Uh, yeah. And, and so Ja's going to help them take care of the ball, but this has been a terrible rebounding team ever since Steven got hurt. We saw this last year. We saw the playoffs. We saw the playoffs before that. Like the Grizzlies, we saw the Olympics. We saw Team USA in the Olympics. Right. <laughs> like Jerry Jackson's going to be a center. It's like, yeah, how'd that work yeah. out as soon as they played Lithuania? Right. So they they do need a, a better interior presence, a better threat. Um, and who knows what that what what that guy actually looks like? Getting a guy like Gaffer to Capellas, like. The play-in has made things hard in terms of getting teams to say we're definitely selling. The Wizards obviously are in a much different place than a team like the Hawks. So we got to see uh, what Atlanta's the, appetite is. The one thing I'll say is like conventional wisdom, because we've seen it, is is to go get a Stephen Adams replacement. I wouldn't hate the idea if they they really go hard after Pascal Siakam. You know, get a big four and who who can guard centers at times who can add size to their backcourt next to Jaron I understand like I think Jaron eventually has to be a center eventually that has to be the role that he fills uh but you the way to do it is is if you want to commit to that you commit to it with a big dude next to him a big four next to him somebody who can you know kind of act as a de facto center at times Right. And then you just look at Jaron and it's like, hey man, you got to figure that you like you gotta stay you on the gotta court figure out the rebounding. You gotta, yeah. yeah, you, you gotta, gotta figure out rebounding. Out. But but you know, the one thing that is within his control is you gotta stop fouling and you gotta stay on the court. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I kinda like that idea. I, I'm pretty sure was it last year they went hard after uh OG and Nobi? Uh, not hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> but offered a bunch of picks, apparently. That's that's what some of the reporting was. So I don't think Ananobi is going to be available this this deadline, but Pascal Siakam probably will be. Uh, yeah. I, I don't hate that idea for them. And the thing would also Jared help their half court offense. I think the thing with Jaron is that he, whether it's the rebounding numbers, the fouling, the message is always from him, from Taylor, from Adams, from everybody is he's playing the four. We want him to go out there and be aggressive, like that's part of his role. 
well, you could also, it could also just not be your role. You could just play the five, be, yeah. you know, stay in the paint more, not be bouncing between closeouts and hard rotations as much along the pivot and be able to be a more steady player. Maybe that takes away a little bit of the aggressiveness that makes them special, but like you got to be reliable, right? And part of being yeah. great is being consistent and being involved in every single play in a reliable way. Like at this point, he's got to be ready for that challenge. And then when you put him out there with Siakam, uh, offensively, it's like you got two bigs that can shoot and attack off closeouts, two guys that can play in transition. Right. You can reform the identity of the team and really just lean even harder into transition play. Try to be a team that turns people over, that crashes the glass hard and runs hard, even more than they did before. It's like Steven Adams is a very important crutch for them and is also a very important part of the culture. But with his injury now, with his age, considering where he is at his career, even next year, if he comes back at the beginning of the year, like he's probably not going to be himself. It's got, like, this is a two year process essentially to recover. And then he's late in his contract later in his career. Yeah. You probably have to make that hard pivot now. And they came into the season, like Zach Kleiman came into the season with chips to spend. And obviously they have a lot of players that they can move. So you might as well at this point react to the crisis by just, going all out because there are some players out there that make sense for them and they don't have to have like a truly elite all-star onto this team. They just need to add like a really good player. Okay, good. Yeah. Because like the yeah. biggest problem has been trying to overcompensate for that fifth starter. Right. So they've tried Vince Williams. They've tried David Roddy. They've tried Zaire Williams. Like it just hasn't worked out. All those guys have, you know, flaws in their game. And, you know, Notel Jenkins is a guy that will never come out and say, you know, Oh, our fifth starter is, not to part with the rest of our guys, but he definitely knows it. Like Jaron is having to do a lot of stuff, which puts him in those places to pick up take tic tac fouls and you know put him on the bench. But getting a guy like Pascal will really help clean up a lot of those deficiencies on that roster. Every every rapper wants to be a hooper. Every hooper wants to be a rapper. Every skilled big wants to be a four. <laughs> but there reaches a point where you're like, you just got to play center. You got to be a big. And I think, yeah. you know, like Chris Stubbs did this, you know, Chris Stubbs was Ingus and, and he finally yeah. was like, all right, all right. You know, even when he's playing next to Horford, he's the five, you know, yes, you're super skilled and, but you can still do that playing five. You just got to, you know, bang with big guys a little bit more, but like, that is your job because you're big. Stay you're one of those big guys. You gotta, yeah. you gotta own it. So what helped Porzingis is people don't really post up that much anymore. So he's really just dropping in the pick and roll for the most part. So that kind of fit for him anyway. He can just kind of hang out in the paint for a lot of the time. Yeah, this is like seven four, yeah. and his his center of gravity is seven feet. You know, it's like right, it's like right at his neck. Center gravity is like right up here, right under his chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um, all right, let's move on to the Suns. From one disaster to another, um, Nico also talked to Kevin Durant. 
This is really the eco show at this point, or That's the ecosystem funny. at this point. Can I Come steal that now. trademark? Can you uh, can't for now. We do, we're doing audio books of your, of your stories. <laughs> there we go. So you talked to Kevin Durant, and it's funny. I've received like three messages in the last 24 hours from people, fans inside the league, around the league, about did was the Kevin Durant trade a mistake? Which, like, I assume is complete ridiculous thing to ask, but you've been around it. You tell me, was the Kevin Durant trade a mistake? I don't think it was a mistake in the sense of if those guys can get to the postseason and get Bradley Beal. It's a lot of ifs, but if you if you get to the playoffs with those three guys healthy and available, then you'll be able to really see why they made that trade. Now, on the second part, you know, them pulling that trigger cost them a lot of depth. It cost them two really good guys in McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson that would have really helped this team right now and would have been, you know, helped them, especially defensively. But anytime, you know, there's an ownership shift or a new regime, you want to come in and make your mark. And that mark was going out and adding, you know, a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest scorers to ever touch this earth in Kevin Durant. So you can't really fault him for making that move. It's just, it hasn't worked out in the sense of, you're seeing their lack of depth on that roster. Now you're seeing the lack of defensive intensity, defensive versatility. They don't have a lot of moving pieces and they don't have a lot of assets in the cupboard to go out and get, you know, players to come and help. So even though KD is averaging what, 36 and six at age 35 and Devin Booker is averaging a career high eight or eight and a half assists a game, they still need more on that roster outside of Eric Gordon, outside of, you know, all the other guys in that roster. They don't have a point guard. Yeah. Go ahead, after Brad, yeah, everything after the Bradley Beal trade was a mistake. There, they, there, there was minimum guys they could have signed. They could have done a better job filling out the rest of the roster. The Mavericks did it, you know, with Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, that's that's where the mistakes come. Tim, you, know, you saw none of their minimum guys. The, none of that depth is fits well enough. The Watanabe's, you know, like Joshua Kobe's are kind of regressed. Like it's just like saving. Like it doesn't look. It doesn't look. Doesn't look good. Tim, you saw that Christmas game. I don't know if you were in Phoenix, but I was. You saw you saw that Christmas game um, Monday night, where the Suns actually did a nice job rallying, um, and I think they went into that fourth quarter with a nice lead after being down double digits once. And then the, the Suns every every time you watch the Suns, you can count on their offense laying a complete egg. Doesn't matter who's playing, who's not playing. They are the worst fourth quarter team in basketball. When I talk about the point guard stuff, like, look, I'm not talking about their identity as a whole. Devin Booker obviously is capable of being a primary playmaker, a primary pick and roll ball handler. Kevin Durant, as Kelly mentioned, is putting up the same numbers now that if he was putting them up 10 years ago when he was an MVP, we would have been very, you know, we're used to Kevin putting the ball in the basket and making plays. But when the fourth quarter comes, this team's roster construction and even the stars of their team and their head coaching and really overall coaching situation, the shit hits the fan. They have gone into fourth quarters with with leads and have been outscored by 10 well, points or more clutch. in so several crazy. of them. It's, yeah. it, it's not even just a clutch, man. Like KD and Book, they don't hit the same jump shots. No one understands how to protect the basketball and make plays for others. They don't make the game easier for their teammates. They made the Nurkic trade, getting DeAndre Ayton, made him a scapegoat, which 
public opinion will obviously favor the Suns on DeAndre Ayton part he of it. Kind of made himself a scapegoat a little bit. He did, but <laughs> they did not. But they Dominate. did not. Like I heard someone, I heard someone say, "Oh, it's like trading a running back for a left tackle." That's BS. Like Nurkic is is a fine first three quarters player. In the fourth quarter, everyone's hunting him, and he's not an asset. They got t- they tampered for Drew Eubanks, and Drew Eubanks got passed up in the rotation already for Chimezi Matulin, Yudoka Azubuike for crying out loud. They don't have anybody to pretend to play point guard. And this is what happens when you hire Frank Vogel as your coach. Frank is supposed to organize the defense and get star players to just do star player things to win enough games that way. They kept their offensive coordinator, Kevin Young. And and look, let's just say that it doesn't look like they know what the heck they're doing when it comes to the fourth quarter. Teams are selling out to take Book away, selling out to take KD away. Those guys are tired because they had to play 30 minutes going into these fourth quarters. And they're a complete disaster. That is the sole reason they're a 500 team right now. And if Bradley Beal can save that, God bless him. But we saw Bradley Beal in Washington these last three years, and no one was like, oh, that's a poised team in the fourth quarters. I don't know why. Oh, we, we, we sometimes saw Bradley and Beal. And we forget what they watched. Exactly. <laughs> he was injured that's, a lot. That's exactly what the he's point. injured now. Nobody was photoshopping Bradley Beal or all the anyway. player participation policy stuff. Now, Bradley, so I saw games. I saw I saw two things on Christmas. Uh, you know, when I was there watching watching them. Uh, first is that the Mavericks guarded KD and and Booker. They guarded them to take away their shots, take away their sweet spots, and and let the rest of the team beat them. And the rest of the team could not beat them. Grayson Allen went off for a career high. Uh, Metu had a career game. And, you know, these two role players who had, you know, nights that were probably not going to replicate maybe the entire season, um, you know, it still wasn't enough. But that's how Dallas played them. And, and some of the, you know, some of these role players just looked completely lost, all of them having career nights. The other thing is that, you know, Phoenix played Dallas the same way. Phoenix played, um, you know, they, they played Dallas for Luka not to beat them and sent doubles at him constantly the whole game. Dallas's role players stepped up, but Luca also scored 50 despite being double teamed for 48 minutes. He played like 44, 43, 44 minutes. Uh, he was double teamed the entire time, and he still found a way to score 50. So Luca is a better player than Devin Booker. Luca is a better player than Kevin Durant. Both of those players should find more ways to score, even when the defensive focus is what it was. Um, I don't know if they're both a little bit checked out. I don't know if they need something like a, a true point guard. I, you know, maybe that is, you know, one of the failures is that, uh, they just don't have a, you know, a, a, you know, a place setter, you know, a guy to get them the ball and the spots where they need to go because Dallas isn't a great defense either. You know, it, it should not have been that easy for them to keep them away from their spots and their shots. And so it's, you know, it was just such a stark contrast that, you know, Dallas was was like, hey, y'all aren't beating us and, and the role players couldn't. And it really, you know, just mucked up everything that the, the two stars that they do have playing are trying to do. And then on the other end, Dallas is one star, you know, just said, you know, F it. I'm going to I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. I don't I don't care if you're yeah. trying to stop me. I'm still going to drop 50, you know, the fourth 50 point point Christmas game that's that's ever happened. So it's just it, I thought it was a really telling game that, that kind of showed where, where the Suns are at right now. So we kind of saw, you know, a glimpse of, uh, I think, the game against Houston, what the Suns can look like if, you know, Durant and and Booker take that ownership of, you know, we're going to be like 65% playmaking, 35% looking for our own shot. And 
it took an Eric Gordon, you know, blast from the past going seven for 11 from three. But, you know, if teams are going to set up and defend the Suns, like, you know, we're going to switch everything and hope that you try to beat us one-on-one, the Suns counter that and saying, okay, we're going to move the ball, not hunt ISOs as much, and just trying and hope that your defense cares about Book and KD so much that you leave Grayson open, you leave Eric Gordon open, and you leave shoes like that open. And, and I think KD had a what career – or he tied his career high in assists, had 16. Just – I know it was, it was one game in December, but if – there are glimpses in this season where you can kind of tell how it can look like if they get everything going together. Now it's going to take them getting Bradley Beal back, and they probably need to go add another point guard. You know, if they can, the Cameron Payne stuff kind of hurt them a lot. But you know, I still think that this team, if they can just get to the playoffs, then you can really see what they can do. I, I don't know if the Cameron Payne thing hurt them. I just the the idea <laughs> of Cameron Payne just, just a viable a viable point guard. The, the idea that they don't even have the idea of Cameron Payne around to pretend yeah. to be a point guard, yes. They, they, they just need someone yeah. who is theoretically what Cameron Payne is supposed to be to an NBA right. roster, yes. I yeah, it's, it's, it's not even about who that player is. It's the fact that you, are, you got guys who just are – you can see them being worn down by the massive levels of touches that they have over the course of the game. And if that blows the team out – then we're then they're good, but that hasn't happened often enough. That's what you're asking Bradley Beal not to you know make plays as much. You're asking Bradley Beal to take some of the touch share away from those other two guys that have been playing all season for the most part. Because in the fourth quarter, they're still gonna have the same issues. Okay, Jordan Goodwin is like playing a lot of basketball right now for a team that's supposed to be a contender. And that's no disrespect to Jordan Goodwin. That's just not his skill set. His skill set isn't, oh, I'm going to take touches away and help Book get easier shots, help KD get easier shots. And the funny thing is, I'll cover the Clippers, all right? People for the longest time were like, why do you need a point guard when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are getting most of the touches anyway? Just find a complimentary piece around them, like Eric Gordon. It's funny how Eric Gordon is always in these situations, right? <laughs> and it's like what will happen is you get those guys killing teams through three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter they're wearing down because no one else is helping them get easier shots. That's why Russell Westbrook was in L.A. as a starter last year, and that's why they made the move to get James Harden this year. And the good teams that are wing-led – they have the point guard run most of the offense throughout the game. Like second units, there might be a good amount of the star wing choreographing. And then it's really the last six to eight minutes of the game where the stars put the ball in their hands. That's generally how it works with a lot of the best teams. And, you know, when you, I mean, you look at the way that Phoenix's roster is set up, I think just because of the deals they were able to make during the off season, getting a guard at reasonable value probably wasn't viable for them, but getting a backup playmaker, for decent value is a lot easier, I feel like, at the trade deadline right. than it is during the offseason because you're going to find teams that just have guards. They just they don't need them anymore, and they'll toss them for a second-round pick. That's I think that's why they built the team the way they did. They have so many wings. Like, what are they, like five <laughs> well, wings, like essentially? Six, like seven. five backup-caliber wings? And so, all of them have been benched at some point. <laughs> we'll get Trey Jones, yeah. man. Same yeah, so that, that's actually who I was – that's exactly what I was thinking, Trey Jones. But also, like, if Pop isn't playing Trey Jones, then – is there a reason for that? Because they so desperately oh, need oh, oh, there's a reason. to get the offense organized. Yeah, the, the reason so, is they, they try to maintain that draft pick, bro. Yeah, it's not basketball <laughs> reason. There's a reason. But Trey, Trey Jones is too, too good, young bro. and has too much career ahead of him to be sitting him for the take. Like, you got to develop him, too. I, playing, I don't think Trey Jones is going to fix the Spurs anyway. Julian they're going to be asking away. And, and 
Malachi, uh, right, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, but that's yeah. All of whom would be better backup point guard options for uh, for the Suns. So they're very clearly going to make a deal. Questions are: Are they going to make two? Obviously, it, I feel like we haven't really said it. Obviously, Bradley Beal's been hurt, and when you have Booker and KD having, I think it's like a third of their usage rate is tied up yeah. in those two guys. Without Bradley Beal, obviously this team is going to be underperforming. But I guess the question is, how much can they snap out of this if they have Beal? Yeah, because because to Law's point, you know, your 35-year-old forward should not be in the 90th percentile of usage among NBA players at this stage of his career. It should be it should they're, they're, they're too taxed. Like when and that's why they're eight and eleven in clutch games, because when it comes down to their offenses grinds to a halt, like 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 everything Law said, their offense grinds to a halt, their defense is is waned out and just they just can't get anything done. So they need an injection of youth and something. Make yeah, and I, I, I looked through it. I know I said at the start, like, could have just signed Dante Axum. Dante Axum was about the only good minimum point guard that came yeah. into the league this year. And and yes, I, I do think that they should have done a better job with their minimum signings. That that there was some, you know, just looking at the players that they brought in to fill out the roster. I think there's some right. missed opportunities there. But yeah, I, I don't know if you know Frank Nilakina is is not a minimum point guard. Who's you know Aaron Holiday? Maybe maybe that would have you know maybe they should have taken a look at that like. Ish Smith at age 35 is somewhere. So, you know, Patrick yeah, Beverly, maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, just tossing out a few names of just like, they're, like they're tossing not all the wash guys out. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. If you're, if you're, believe it or not, point guard is still a pretty important position in the NBA. Even as we've moved to, you know, primary ball handler being the lead of offenses, point guard still matters, especially for a team like this. And that's a harder right. thing. So I, I think if there's something that, I think you guys are right. If there's something they're doing at the deadline, uh, that's, that's what they need to be looking at. Eco, right. you were just talking about KD being too old to manage this kind of usage. Who do you think has a higher usage rate, KD or LeBron? KD. By 0.2%. Yeah, it's KD. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be right there. It's right there. It's right there. Yeah. It's, it's, 31 it's, and 31.2%. Every time down the floor, he's handling the ball. Like, Book is just giving it to Durant. Just go do something. But and it shows right LeBron. There. Like whatever whatever superhuman you know proto species that LeBron is because he's definitely not human. Uh, I just saw him last Christmas, whenever it was. The dude still does not look human. If he's able to maintain this this low level, I feel like KD probably could keep up as well. His yeah, body's but, not the same. But Frank, like, like it's on it's Frank and the staff. It's on it's on Vogel and his staff to construct a system where your two best guys don't have to physically carry these guys on their back for 36 minutes of a game like, i thought kd looked a little checked out right you know on christmas day right out, right in the wake definitely. of his comments that he fed doesn't up. have enough like, help. Like, yeah. I, I thought he looked checked out. they thought and, this know, would be easier that's been yeah. that's been kd's whole thing no no this probably right but that's been kd's whole yeah i'm not thing defending him you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're you're you know you're you want to be a first battle hall i mean he's gonna be but yeah you want to be an all-star starter you want to you know join yeah. a team as as you know the lead star you know a co-star i'm not saying he should be checked out i'm just saying that did not look like a kd that was just missing a point guard that looked right. like a kd that was kind of floating around a little bit uh not not being the down and you could argue that has always been kd at least post oklahoma city you know he's, he's always felt one of the best players ever right. yeah he's one of the best players ever but he is not necessarily the guy that's going to go exert his will on a game 
and win it for you single handedly. When when he win game when he wins games single handedly, which he absolutely does, it feels very natural, and that's why I love watching him. But it doesn't feel like it just feels like he's being KD, and KD, you know, in it, his essence is just this guy who kind of floats it along and takes shots and makes it look smooth as hell. But he is not someone who's like, you know, I am winning this game no matter what it takes and I will grind my opposition to the dust if it does. Like LeBron. So, like LeBron, like Jordan, like a lot of these guys. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Cato, keep talking. I want to ask you about who owns the Mavs and who runs the Mavs. What the hell's going on? Uh, can you hear the sirens behind me? I don't know if yeah, I'm allowed to talk about this already. Yeah, 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 they're 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 coming they're coming hot out on my on my on my tails. They know I'm about to reveal the truth. Uh, the, so the Mark Is that Cuban the secret has service uh, for President Cuban. It must be. It must be. I I have no evidence. Nobody has told me that this is politics related. Mark Cuban has said before that he, you know, would never sell the Mavericks. You know, he said that on a Bill Simmons podcast in 2016. He has said iterations of that at other times. And then about a month ago, it broke that he was selling to the Adelson family, uh, which owns the Las Vegas Sands corporation or is this uh miriam adelson is the primary shareholder of the las vegas sands corp um which despite their name does not actually own any las vegas casinos anymore they sold the venetian but they have a lot of uh casino properties in asia and they're very interested in bringing legalized gambling to the state of texas and grand scheme which is shared by mark cuban and you know the the new buyers of the team is that there's going to be like basically the Venetian North Texas, which just doesn't quite have the same ring to it, but that's the concept. You know, they haven't used that those exact words, but the idea is like, what if there was a destination resort casino gambling slash NBA arena that existed in Dallas, Texas? It would require gambling being legalized, which is at minimum a couple of years out, it seems like, uh, you know, 
the there's been work you know there's a lot of money being put into making this happen there's been some effort in the state house to get it passed uh one of the two bills passed the the online betting bill passed but the senate didn't even consider it the, the law about casinos is even further away from from happening um obviously kelly you know this uh you know tillman fertita right. is also a casino a casino <clears throat> mogul and also would be very interested in legalizing gambling in, in Texas and has also put a lot of money into this or some money into this. Um, and it still hasn't happened. So, but that's the idea. That's the concept as to why Mark is selling. Um, yeah. My first thought was like, wait, is this, is this presidential run that is, he's always, always kind of flirted with is, yeah. is maybe he's actually going to go for it now. <laughs> I, I don't have any indication to believe that's the reasoning. Um, he, we, we don't know for sure. Um, it could just be that he wanted to, you know, he wanted money in a, in a liquid sense. And, you know, this is somebody whose net worth hasn't really changed since taking over the Mavericks. Uh, I would imagine that the Mavericks make up a lot of, you know, the, a lot of his wealth. Um, he's not fully selling the team. He's still going to own 27% uh, as, a, as a minority owner. But he's got kids that are in college or, or very near to college. And, you know, at 65, Mark's in the process of you know, putting money into trusts for them and things like that. Uh, state taxes, they add up, even in Texas. I know, yep. I know. But even in Texas, state, you know, stuff like that, there, there may just be a reason that, that Mark wanted to, to, needed to be liquid, needed to, to start moving on. Um, you know, I've heard a bunch of, you know, offhanded theories, but none of them so certain or, or confirmed, uh, that, that I'm going to say them here, but I, I do know that it's a, it's a huge move. It's a, it's a surprising move. It's one, one that's been in the works for at least a year. And, you know, as, as much as Mark claims he's going to stick around and, and still run basketball operations and he's going to still you know, have his same courtside seat. Uh, I think there is a question how much he's just posturing and how much that his role, despite him saying basically nothing has changed except my bank account. He said that uh, before Wednesday's game. <laughs> I, I, I really wonder so how true you. that is and, and <laughs> so how much. much. So. Uh, yeah, I really wonder how much influence Mark will have, you know, if, if we could jump forward one year and kind of look at the team and, and look at Mark's role. It may be significantly smaller, um, but we'll have to see. So basically, you're saying he just didn't want to be the one to trade Luka Doncic away in a year and a half. Gotcha. <laughs> He's pulling a ball. I mean, <laughs> it's not crazy. That's not. A, yeah. That's not a crazy. It, it, it sure. Look, anybody, anybody who has to make that decision would, would certainly uh, not be in a good place right. with the Dallas but, fans. Luca doesn't look happy the last time I saw him. He looked a little annoyed at the end of that game the other night. Uh, is he ever I think happy? He's, I don't think he's unhappy. I mean, I think he's unhappy yeah. right now that he is carrying the whole weight of the entire team and playing. We've seen that quite a bit, Tim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to have a bad back at this point. And I, I, yeah, I don't know what's up with Kyrie Irving. He should be back soon. I, I didn't think he would be out this long. I don't think the team thought he was going to be. I've heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've <laughs> heard that one twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I covered that yeah. one a few years ago. Uh, so here, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I, have, I have one. I have one thing I'll add to this. Luca loves Kyrie. He loves playing with Kyrie. He is very impressed. He is. He is just like most NBA players. He loves like watching and playing with Kyrie Irving. 
Kyrie Irving is a great locker room guy. There's a lot of things you can say about Kyrie Irving. Be too long. We're not. Let's not dive into that. But there's a lot of things you can say about Kyrie Part Irving. The pod. NBA players, broadly speaking, love him. Um, Very true. From afar, true. and usually in the locker room. Right. I remember reporting, and and I there was people within the Mavs who really you know pushed back when I reported this. But when the trade happened, I had a couple people warn me. You know, they they thought Luca was really going to like Kyrie and like playing with like Kyrie, but they did not think Luca would have a lot of patience if Kyrie was missing time for non-basketball reasons or, you know, for reasons that did not seem warranted. I remember getting a lot of, like, a couple different people really pushed back and was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Luca's going to love Kyrie. And I'm like, yeah, I I didn't say he wasn't. I'm just saying Luca's not the type of person who's going to have patience for, you know, his co-star, his running mate, kind of the perception of abandoning him. I want to be very clear. I am not saying that's what's happening. Uh, Kyrie has had recurring foot injuries. Uh, he's had plantar fasciitis or, or stuff adjacent to that. Uh, he is a often injured guard, a smaller guard who's entering his early 30s or I- into his early 30s now. I, I'm not indicating whatsoever that, that this specific injury has gone on too long, but it is something just to, to keep an eye on. If there's one thing, like I think the team had a really good offseason. If there's one thing that would possibly fracture Luca's, you know, relationship in a, in a stronger way than uh, than it has so far, than even last season's catastrophe did, it would be quite possibly something like, "Hey, you guys brought in Kyrie, and, and like, where's my where's my help? You know, and like, this is the guy who's supposed to be my help. Where's where's my help?" So that's I'm just setting the table of how I view Dallas, but I think right now Luca is, you know, he's not really someone to think about, Oh, what if I went and played somewhere else? He's very, he's competitive to the point that he's probably fed up that, that he's playing so much, but uh, I don't think it's a conversation that is really going to heat up in an, in an active way. Not, not, uh, not at least his role in it uh, for at least a year, probably. Wow. Absolutely. What do you think about Grant Williams' situation, Tim? Because um, obviously, uh, out here in LA, people are just uh, wondering when Kawhi will come back after Grant checked him in the hip. But just in general, I felt like, and obviously, Jared, you're on here too. Like, I, I felt like it was interesting. Uh, I thought Grant was the type of player who it was. It was going to be interesting to see how he got to handle a bigger and more secure role. Um, he got he got paid. He should be congratulated for that. But He's I think you're cutting out, out but start. I'll answer your question. Yeah, he's in and out to start line now. So. I think Grant, um, he went to the bench uh, actually on Christmas Day, and this probably deserved. Um, there's a place for him on this team, absolutely. Um, you know, they paid him a, a decent chunk of money, uh, the, the the full MLE, um, or the full taxpayer's MLE, I should say. And that's right. Yeah, whichever one it was. You, yeah, it was uh, money it was regular, right yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Dallas has a lot of shooters. They don't have a lot of elite shooting. And once Grant gets back to his elite shooting levels, which he has not been at lately, he can be a little bit of an inconsistent player. I I think that there's a little bit of health stuff going on that's also been affecting him of late. Um, But yeah, he's they, they need more solid players, and he's a solid player. What his role actually shakes out to be, whether he's a starter or whether he's going to continue in the bench role, you know, a lot of it has just been Derek Jones Jr. has outplayed him and, and has been, you know, a 
a more dynamic player off the dribble, which is for a long time, something I've been saying this team has been missing. Uh, That's where the NBA is headed, where rotations are good enough. Players are, are big enough and quick enough and have wingspan enough that even when they sink and help and, and, you know, scheme pick and rolls to the point that they're collapsing on, uh, you know, these primary creators, they can still recover out and at least force, uh, you know, like prevent spot up looks. And so you got to have spot up guys who can then take a dribble and, and beat the, uh, you know, beat the oncoming help. And so that's something that, you know, that's why we've seen Dallas really prioritize Dante Exum and, and Derek Jones Jr., two players who can do that. Uh, but, but absolutely, I think Grant will be better for the team. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I, I think he, he probably, I, I think he also came into the year. You know, he was planning to play as the four next to Dwight Powell, who is a small center. And all of a sudden, Derek Lively, um, the second came out of nowhere and it really took over the starting center role. So I think, I think Grant getting back to, to the shape where he's more of a three, four guy who can guard a little bit more on the perimeter is, is probably going to be beneficial for him as well. Yeah. With Grant, we've, we've seen this every year of his career where he starts shooting well in the, early in the season shows more aggressive ability to attack off the dribble. And then, kind of gets like carried away with it and starts taking like ugly shots, like airballing floaters, dribbling into traps, gets hurt and then loses his rhythm as a shooter. It affects his defense. Like he's gone through this over and over again. I expected that he would take, I think just like because he'd have more volume and more opportunity and like more freedom, he would take a step forward. It seems like he's kind of stuck where he was last year and maybe more like in the better part of where he was last year in his final season in Boston. Uh, and he's, what is he shooting? Like 38% from three? Like he needs to be shooting like 33 But start down to 30% this month though. Like I remember he yeah. was killing it the first couple months. That's, but he that's how it always month. goes. Yeah, it'll be like November he'll shoot 45%, then December he'll shoot 31%. Like it tends to go up and down. So that's he was shooting like 52%. There. He was shooting like 52% after like eight games and we asked him about yeah. it and he's like, that's not good enough. I, I want to be I want to be shooting 60%. <laughs> and then like say 100%. not even 10 yeah. games later after he had been shooting like crazy. You know, he was like three of 18 in, in the last few games. Right. You know, I was just talking to a media guy and I was like, maybe maybe you should have been okay with 50. Yeah. Is is there any any fear that he finds himself in a similar, you know, stint to his is the ending of his tenure in Boston where he was picking up DMPs and you know, he was on the bench for more than he than he thought he should have been because, you know, if if, if the gameplay is not conducive to no, the no, no, him, there's there's I, I don't think there's any chance of that. Um, he needs to be playing a little bit better, but Dallas was a team last season that that was destroyed by not having capable, competent NBA players. And <laughs> I think Grant, despite his slump, is a competent NBA player. Uh, and hopefully will be an above average NBA, you know, role player off the bench for them. And and they need they need him in the rotation. They need him getting back there. They they need someone who can knock down forty percent plus of right. wide open catch and shoot jumpers because you know they're really relying on on you know more dynamic players who will go through rockier stretches of shooting. Um, in in Jones Jr. and in, in Axum. So and they so, need yeah, him as I'm a defensive. Not too worried about him. 
they need him as a defensive leader more than anything. That was, I think, the big reason to get him there. Not just to give Luca a good kickout option on offense, but like they needed somebody that knows to how to coordinate scores. an offense, knows how yeah. to, you know, coordinate switches and backline help for everybody, can go and guard anybody and like bring the competition. Like that I think is the main reason why he's out there. And generally, when he's been hitting slumps, he's tried to overcompensate on that end to try to demonstrate his value. And they, obviously they need to keep him out there and trust him in those moments. I don't know if Jason Kidd's going to do that, but they got to ride the wave with Grant Williams. They're invested in him. He's young yeah. enough and he has like upside. Like they got, they got to, they got to develop him. They got to develop somebody. To, to the, to the athleticism and, and just like body type and, and who he's trying to be this season, because players really do kind of build their bodies into the role that they think they're going to have. Um, Grant had 15 dunks last season. He's got one this year, just one dunk. You know, he needs to be someone like, especially in in the wide open Luka Doncic led offense. Not to say you know Boston is also a, a very modern offense in that way, but you it's know, not, in, in a wide open, do what? He's technically on pace. It's, it's not really the same. Like Luka just gets wherever he wants and throws the ball wherever he exactly, wants. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. let's. That, that yeah, I think you know, dunks, dunks. It's a it's a it's a quick stat, but it's but it's it's one that uh, it's one that that I think is is often telling. You know, just about a players are all in the offense because and when you're six foot really five with a 28 from. inch vertical it's definitely relevant for sure maybe maybe he just read my article and thinks they hurt too much <laughs> hey I, I i like dunks I, I like dunks tim uh law are you I the like, only one who can dunk on this pod i gotta find well, out what's my birthday me. birthday next week but you, you have to find dunked, out man right what i loved about your story tim is you got marcus Sorry, does the question you got marcus johnson <laughs> hey you got marcus johnson to talk about I you know his birthday that. dunk and yeah, uh, I don't look. I my dunking it has to be on a good day. Like you know, if 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 the cops chase me or something, you know, I'm probably sure I can dunk. But I, I gotta see. La, <laughs> well, you're the you're the goodest <laughs> person. Like you're the most moral person I know. There's no way you've ever had a cop chase you. Hey, and I might not dunk. Actually, that was so a very much. white white coated statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. You from uh, LA, man. Jared, you won't get us in trouble, man. <laughs> Listen, I, like I, uh, I, I did. Uh, Jared, I'll let you set this up, and, and I think we're probably about to get out of here. But uh, I'll, I'll let you set up what we're talking about. But I will say yes. I wrote a story about dunks, and I've never. I, I I topped out my junior year. I was I got a tennis ball up over the rim a couple times, and then I busted my knee. And yeah, never been here about that. Never got past years. that. Yeah, so I was I, I I wouldn't call myself bouncy. I'm just saying I'm, I'm I was a six foot high schooler who played a lot of basketball. I, you know, the knees the knees did me in. All right, speaking so of playing basketball, I want I want to end the show with Law telling us a little bit of story time about his pickup game this week. Oh yeah, man. That's serious. This, this is, is legit. This isn't just a random like, hey, we're on a podcast. You got to set it up. You got to set it up. It's good. Yeah, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let Law set everything up. Well, look, it it, it was it was uh, funny thing is, so James Harden gets traded here. He does his press conference. He says, "I'm the system," and I knew I was going to go down to around USC area to to the league. You know, I had heard that you know Justin Bieber had been playing there, so I was invited to to show up, and I was like. Yeah, like put me in a game. I'm trying to hoop, you know. I mean, we can do a story, but I'm trying to hoop. I didn't know who they were going to place me with. There's a bunch of players that are legitimately, you know, semi-pro players, close to pro, with pro experience, something like that. You know, I've been covering programs at Drew for a while. Uh, so they stick me on Justin Bieber's team, and I'm like, all right, cool. 
Like, didn't know what how that was going to go. I hadn't really seen him play. We saw him play the celebrity games. Those are joke games. These dudes ain't ain't playing no joke games. So I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going we gonna to see. And, I mean, look, when Justin's on the floor, people ain't trying to rough him up too much or anything. Um, Justin definitely looked like he'd been on stage and whatnot. But That's like, bullshit. If I'm guarding Justin Bieber, I'm going to be hand-checking him all day long. You would, you would, you would I'm think, full of right? Dylan but in his face. Some dudes mm. don't play defense anyway. Like, don't cap now. Like, it's if cowards. you play it's defense cowards. for real, then you probably like, yeah, I'm gonna hand check him. But if, you know, you probably ain't guarding a, you know, traffic cone. Man, that's gonna be you anyway. So Justin can play <laughs> a little bit. He can play against dudes who don't play no defense against nobody. So um, being on the court with him, it was like I'm just gonna play my game, and my game is I play hard. Well, it turns out Justin, he, he sort of played hard, too. So I feel like we complement each other pretty well. I should have played more. That's 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 really oh. what it's about. Who's this there? reminds me, nah, this reminds they, me of... should have played more. I'm trying to... I, I'm hoping to do a story later this year about the scrimmages that happen between NBA players and, like, staff members. You know, a lot of, a lot of like, NBA staff are, you know, former college players. But they're not NBA yeah. players. But they'll hop in a game and, and they'll, they'll run some pickup. And I remember talking to, to one guy one time who was, who was running the game and he got yelled at by a player uh, because uh, he didn't shoot a three. He was like open. And it was like, it, like in his head, the staff was like, well, you know, I'm out here to compliment and, and to, you know, you know, I'm out here f- for the sake of the NBA players. Like I should, but this NBA player was like, bro, you're open. You're messing up the offense. That's an open shot. Like we've rotated the ball <laughs> to you. Take the shot, take the shot. So it's kind of the same way, you know. I don't. I don't care if Justin Bieber's out there. Like you play the way you play. So I have Hand another check. story that goes along with that one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save it for when I uh, for when I actually write this thing, a, a better story. But I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna save it. All right. Well, you have to subscribe to the Athletic if you want to read that story, where you can find all of Law's uh, diaries about playing with Justin Bieber, Kelly Eco covering every single team in the NBA besides the Houston Rockets, apparently. Uh, he actually, he, he had a one-on-one with Raph Stowe we didn't even get to get into, but whatever, we'll do it next no, time. No, we decided he, and, uh, he .75 covers the Rockets. That's true, you know? that's true. I'm yeah. there, I'm in the building. So the Houston Rock. He covers the Houston Rock, just not the Cats. <laughs> so yeah, Tim Cato, he writes about people dunking. He also covers whoever owns the Mavericks. Jared Weiss, cover the Celtics. And Yeshua Kid is our producer. We'll see you next time on the Athletic NBA Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.